0: A performance review should be a review, not here's the first time I'm hearing about an issue or a challenge or even something that I've done really great because had you told me what I was doing really great long, you know, months ago, I would have done it again or I would have continued doing it, right? Everything in your review should be something you already know. It's just reviewing the time between the first and this next performance review. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world class management team. And now, your host, Eric Gerard.
1: Welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am supremely glad you're here. Hey, while you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors, please. Number one, please subscribe to the show. Number two, please share the show with just one other person. And finally, go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today I have Felicia Shakiba with me. Felicia, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do?
0: Thank you so much, Eric. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you today. So, I am the founder, podcast host and global leadership and HR consultant for CPO Playbook Consultancy. I'm the former global head of performance management of WPP and I've been in HR leadership work for over almost 20 years now. And I'm super happy to chat with you today. I've listened to many of your episodes and I'm so excited and honored to, to share my knowledge with you.
1: Well, flattery will get you everywhere. So keep that coming. <laughs> uh, well, I'm super glad you're here. So, so thank you. The, the feeling is mutual. And today we are talking about performance management and specifically performance management for new managers. This is a new topic. We haven't talked about this in the show yet. And it's one of those things that, that kind of comes with a double edged sword because performance management done well, you don't even, you don't even know about it. You don't even see it. But sometimes, you know, there's that other side of performance management that's uncomfortable. There are difficult conversations. It's, it's icky sometimes. So I'm really interested to see. Uh, where this goes as we get into it. So my first question for you is let's define performance management. What is performance management and how does it work?
0: Sure. So I think it's always best to kind of start out with what performance management is not. An effective performance management strategy stands on four essential pillars, each interwoven to create a seamless and empowering approach. And this is something that I discovered working at WPP, because if you think about, they have about almost like 13 subsidiaries, and I was working with all of those subsidiaries plus the corporate office to kind of find what were the common themes of performance management, and every single organization was somewhere else in their journey. And so we came up with these four pillars, which was goal creation, measurement, conversations, and then rewards and recognition. So just I just want to break down each one of those to kind of explain what I mean. So goal creation lies at the foundation of the strategy. It entails a collaborative process where objectives are co-created, fostering a culture of transparency and alignment throughout the organization. Embracing goal transparency ensures that every member understands their role, is contributing to the overarching goal vision of the business measurement is the next pillar and it represents the vital framework by which the organization establishes the criteria for differentiating high middle and low performers and this discernment allows for the identification of top achievers while also providing insights into individuals who may require additional support to reach their potential however an enlightened organization might also recognize that some individuals may not fit neatly into predefined categories and they might opt for like a more holistic approach to nurture each employee's growth and development the third pillar is conversations this is the heartbeat of the performance management strategy and we can talk a little bit more about this but it pulsates with ongoing and Impactful dialogue between managers and their teams. And these discussions serve as a platform for exchanging valuable feedback, addressing challenges, recognizing achievements, and so forth. So s- these exchanges promote a dynamic and collaborative environment, kind of igniting the potential of each team member. And then finally, Rewards and recognition form the bridge between individual team and organizational performance and the acknowledgement and incentives they receive. So high performers who consistently contribute to the organization's success rightfully deserve greater recognition and rewards as an expression of appreciation and motivation. And this approach cultivates a sense of fulfillment and loyalty among employees, so bolstering their commitment to excellence.
1: Nice. I write a lot about goal setting and rewards and recognition in my book. And I I totally agree that you have to be clear up front. Like, what do you expect from me? And, you know, I teach the smart goals framework. Other folks use OKRs. But whatever method you use, just be crystal clear about this is where we're going. This is, you know, who does what, how much, and by when. And then this is how you get rewarded at the end. And oh, by the way, rewards and recognition don't have to cost anything. You can you can do rewards and recognition that are free. A handwritten note can say a lot more than a hundred dollar bottle of wine. Although I think there are some people in the show on in the audience who would argue with me. But I you know, I, I still think that you can do a lot for very little money and and do something meaningful.
0: A hundred percent. And I, I think that the most important thing to recognize here is that if you are a low performer. And if you and if you have a high performer, if you have a low and a high performer and they're receiving the same reward or recognition, that's not going to help differentiate how people perform. They actually need to see that high performers get rewarded accordingly because then it will feel unfair and it won't feel like a manager is really supporting people in the right ways. And so there really isn't a lot of motivation to be a high performer because I could say, well, I receive the same recognition or reward as a high performer, so why should I push myself hard at all, right? So that, that link between high performance and low performance and the rewards and recognition is really critical.
1: Totally agree. Let's drill down a little bit on performance management. Tell me what the goals are of performance management. What are we trying to achieve?
0: The primary goal of performance management is to enhance individual and organizational performance to achieve those strategic objectives. And it aims to align the efforts of employees with the broader goals of the organization, ensuring that everyone's work contributes to the overall success of the company. I think where a lot of companies might go wrong here is that they look at performance management to assess where are their low performers and where do we cut. The fat. And I think that is a terrible approach. (laughs) I think that if someone is to leave the organization, they should leave far before, you know, you do a performance review. I think the bulk and meat and what you get out of a performance review is you, number one, know how to reward accordingly. And number two is letting people have some self-awareness. Where are they on their goals? How are they contributing? Where do they need where do they have gaps? What can they start doing to actually start developing and getting to their end result? And I think that's both internally, like how they are as an individual. It's also through a team, like how are we, how can we improve as a team? How can we improve cross-functionally? How can we improve as leaders? And so these conversations should be ongoing in a positive constructive way, allowing people to leave from these conversations, excited to contribute and excited to move forward.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I I once was in a situation at a very large Silicon Valley company where I met with my manager weekly or biweekly, but usually weekly. And they would say, you're doing fine. Keep doing what you're doing. Everything's fine. Keep doing what you're doing. Then she left on maternity leave and left a stack of Performance reviews with an interim manager to deliver, and when I got mine, I was floored because it it said things like, "Eric only excels at things he likes," and um, other things that basically said I was a low performer. And I thought, well, we had all year. We talked weekly. We talked fifty two times. We could have corrected this, you know, back in March, and you know, had I known, but I just did not know. So I was completely blindsided. So I, I love your point about. Have those conversations frequently and don't let it pile up until the annual performance review.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think if you get to a performance review and uh, there's a lot of content in your performance review, it actually shows that there's not a lot of alignment because people are waiting to share that information during the performance review. A review should really, a performance review should be a review, not here's the first time I'm hearing about an issue or a challenge, or even something that I've done really great. Because had you told me what I was doing really great long, you know, months ago, I would have done it again, or I would have continued doing it. Right. So it should be everything in your review should be something you already know. It's just reviewing the time between the first and then this next performance review.
1: I agree. All right. Well, continuing on here, how can managers actively participate in the process?
0: So, Eric, I'm so glad you asked this question because there is so much managers can do here. I think in the realm of effective performance management, the art of fostering excellence really lies in the manager's adeptness during the conversations. So during my tenure at WPP, I had the privilege of witnessing Landor and Fitch, which is a subsidiary of the company, display remarkable ingenuity in check convers- in conversation, sh- sorry, in shaping a beautiful framework of four distinct conversation types. Foremost among these is the check in conversation, also known as the 101, which ideally occurs weekly or bi weekly, which you just mentioned, and it spans around 30 minutes to an hour, depending on the nature of the work. What sets this Interaction apart is its flexibility as it can really transpire during a walk, over a coffee, or at the desk and really provide the essence of a meaningful exchange. A hallmark of a high quality one-on-one is the manager's skill in delivering equitable feedback, expressing genuine appreciation and demonstrating a willingness to adjust priorities when necessary. Engaging in discussions, that pertain to relevant work and issues pertinent to the team member's growth is crucial. Ultimately, ensuring that the individual that departs from the conversation is feeling empowered and ready to contribute value without feeling deflated. If you draw on inspiration from someone like Marcus Buckingham, who advocates three pivotal questions that you could use during this conversation, The questions are, what have you accomplished, where are you stuck, and how can I help? Or another strategy is borrowing from the Netflix approach with the stop, start, continue method, inviting team members to consider what they should stop doing, what should they start doing, and what should they persist in. And this offers valuable frameworks to structure these dialogues. Nevertheless, the key objective remains consistent across these diverse methodologies, and it's to inspire the team member with a sense of empowerment and enthusiasm to advance the organization's objectives, all while ensuring mutual alignment on the journey ahead. So if you're a manager and you're having these one-on-one conversations, the best thing that you can do is consistently understand One, how can I leave this conversation with them feeling empowered, excited, no matter what they come to the conversation with, and making sure that they feel supported. So if they're struggling or if they are doing something really well, they know exactly what to do once they leave the conversation. And what's also great about this conversation is that it allows people to do their own work, work with great autonomy, feeling like they know what they need to do for the entire week. And a lot of times managers will come to me and say, oh, I'm so busy. I'm answering all my team's questions all the time throughout the week. I'm getting stopped all the time. But when you have these meaningful conversations once a week, once every two weeks, whatever their cadence is, those interruptions actually – decrease over time because you're leaving room for people to breathe and talk about whatever it is that they need to share with you as a manager. And then they're set to go until next week. So if there's anything that you get from this episode, I would leave you with, you know, making sure that that conversation is fair, supported, it's engaging, it's meaningful, and people feel empowered when they have it.
1: Love it. One of the things I love was your suggestion to have one-on-ones during a walk. Just you know, kind of getting away from you know being stuck in a meeting room and staring at each other across the table, but just having a good conversation with somebody maybe in between the one-on-ones. Just calling to check in, hey, how's it going? You know, let's let's do a walk and talk. If you're not, if you're not co-located, you know, you're you're in LA, I'm in Seattle. We both get on our cell phones and take a walk and just have a conversation in between the one-on-one. I think that's a, a great approach to building rapport and trust.
0: Yeah. I, I love doing this. I know several people who like this because it just gets them out of their day-to-day email away from distractions to actually have the conversation in a meaningful way. So I suggest it to anyone that can do so. I mean, I know that a lot of people are virtual nowadays, but Hey, bring your cell phone and pair of headphones and, you know, have your one-on-one and take a walk outside. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful day here. So, you know, had I not have my microphone, I would have just done that myself.
1: (laughs) Well, I, I agree that, that kind of breaking down the formality is important so that you can have a, a good, a good dialogue. One of my favorite authors these days is Michael Bungay Stanier, and he talks about the coaching habit. And he's got a series of seven questions that, that he lays out in his book just to to get conversations rolling so that you can have a good, high-quality coaching conversation, which I think is important in a one-on-one. And then there's a fantastic article in HBR that's been reprinted at least once called Who's Got the Monkey? And, you know, it's (laughs) we've renamed it, or I I often refer to it as, instead of monkeys, they're squawking parrots. But it's when your, your direct reports come to you with a problem and they try to hand it to you. They try to take it off their back or off their shoulder and hand it to you. And if you can ask a series of questions to get them to take ownership of that issue, that squawking parrot, and say, okay, you know, how are you going to handle this? And, and what support do you need from me? Rather than taking it on and relieving them of the responsibility. So good stuff.
0: Absolutely. I think you made a really good point because oftentimes in one-on-ones, I suggest to the manager, encourage your teammates to come to you with the agenda mm-hmm. in your check-in. Ask them to bring what they think that they need, what they're struggling with, where they think they're they're doing well, um, and let them drive their own conversation and what they need from you and just empower them that they are the leader in that conversation, not you. You know, you're there to support, to practice servant leadership if, you know, that's your jam. I mean, I've found it successful. I think that those are the things that I would lead with in my own teams, And I understand that every manager is different, but again, it comes back to, is that person or are your team members, are your team members leaving with a sense of eagerness to contribute to the organization's goals?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You want folks to to be high performers because they want to be high performers, not because
0: you scared them into it. Yeah. Fear doesn't do well normally. (laughs) (laughs) No,
1: (laughs) not a bit. My last question of of this section is how can managers measure their own performance as managers within the performance management framework?
0: Yeah, so I think there's a couple different ways. The two that pop into my head is that managers can employ 360-degree reviews as a valuable tool to measure their performance. This is a, a comprehensive evaluation, and it involves feedback from various stakeholders. It includes your team members, your peers, superiors, and even external partners, which provides a holistic perspective on the manager's effectiveness and impact. However, the ultimate measure of a truly exceptional manager lies not only in their personal achievements or performance, but in their ability to empower and inspire their team members to surpass themselves. A great manager is one who understands that their success is intricately linked to the growth and the success of their team. I feel very proud to say that there are people who I have coached and managed who are now just soaring in their own realm of the business that they do and you know that makes me feel so proud of them and it makes me feel so lucky that I was given the opportunity to have somebody's career kind of not in my hands but just have an influence on them and i think that when i see people who i have coached and they're doing really well or they're even you know going above and beyond the role that they ever that they never thought they would imagine go you know that's success to me
1: absolutely one of the things i talk about a lot is how as a manager you have to shift from being rewarded and recognized and getting internal satisfaction from doing tasks to getting things through others, getting things done through others. Like that is the the key shift. And it sounds like what you've done is, is really mastered, you know, how you can get your team hitting on all cylinders and really going above and beyond, way beyond where they thought they could even reach.
0: Yes, exactly. And And I think ultimately, you know, if your team is hitting their goals, I think that's also a place where you can say, yes, I'm doing a great job. Now, you can still hit your goals and people still might not be super satisfied. But at the end of the day, from an organizational standpoint, you know, that was what organizations consider successful. And a lot of times, if you're hitting your goals as a team, not just as an individual you know, that is ultimately like where we want to see that result be the longevity of you as a manager. I mean, I think that if you're, if your teams are hitting all their goals and you can go, you can go a layer deeper and ask yourself, are the other teams, the cross-functional teams that your team works with, are they hitting all of their goals? You have to think more broadly right? I think that goal setting, there's a history that it has come through. And I think the theme has really been, you know, it's not just about individuals, but is it the team? And then eventually, I think, like I said, if you go one step further, you're really trying to understand, are you as a team helping the cross-functional teams that you work with? Are they being supported? Are they feeling like they can reach their goals because of what you're accomplishing? Um, and so it goes on and on. But but from a broader visionary perspective and an organizational view, like that is the ultimate goal. We are linking your goals, your team goals, the cross-functional goals to ultimately drive up the organization's success. And then hopefully, you know, organization success is a reward piece that allows us to be rewarded as managers or teammates based on the results that we get from goal setting.
1: Yeah. It all starts with goal setting. Absolutely. And one of the words that you use a lot is support, which I really appreciate. So that's, that's good stuff.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that's where a lot of great leaders that I have seen sit. They're not leading the way where they're leading in the front. I mean, they're, they're definitely creating vision and setting the pace, if you will. But when you're a leader and you've got not a lot to do because you've grown people to the point where they can all do it on their on their own, that's where you're ready for the next step as a leader, you know, coming out of a manager role and maybe even into a director role and so forth, um, you know, or, or C-suite, right? It's, How many people can you get to work, not independently, but work autonomously without your help? And so it's support until they don't feel like they need your support. And by then you are on a growth path because really at the end of the day, succession, or at least it should be based on this, succession really identifies leaders to say how many people or how much impact of the organization can this person make that can make sure that that part of the organization can run, not just independently, but autonomously and also support the other functions in the business. And if you are able to do that in one side of the organization, you better believe that we're going to ask you to move up and do the other side of the organization. So if you think of it in that sense, I think that that is where you can really grow as a manager is making sure that whoever you are speaking with or growing within the business that you can do that across the other parts of the business as well.
1: Love it. Totally agree. Kind of kind of putting other people first. That's good stuff. Well, let's transition and talk about you for a second. Do you have a product or a service you'd like to plug?
0: Sure. So CPO Playbook Consultancy, we do a number of different projects. They all include performance management strategy, obviously. Um, but we've done everything from compensation, DEI, and i strategy, onboarding, leadership development, compensation design. I mean, you've You name it, we've done it. (laughs) If it's in HR, we've done it. Even HR technology implementation. So we love that stuff. It's in our blood. We've done it for numerous different types of organizations, startups, larger organizations, mid-sized organizations. And also we're global. So we have worked in multiple different countries with different types of cultures. So that's really exciting and, and fun part of what we do. And then we are launching a podcast. August 2nd is the official launch date. So I guess depending on when this airs, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to be launching or we've launched. Um, uh, we,
1: I- we launched about two months ago. This, this, okay. this, this episode will drop in October.
0: Okay. So we've just launched the CPO Playbook podcast a couple of months ago. We're... So excited. We encourage anybody who's listening now to peek over at CPO Playbook Podcast and check us out.
1: Okay. And in a second, I'm going to make sure that that folks know how to contact you if they want to learn more. Okay. So, Felicia, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation and really enjoyed the, you know, the conversation in the green green room as well. That was that was enjoyable. How can people find you? If folks want to get a hold of you, where do they go?
0: The number one place to go is cpoplaybook.com. They can also they can also connect with me on LinkedIn. And I would love to hear from you anytime if you've got an idea, love to share it, anything leadership, HR related. That's my jam.
1: Cool. Well, we'll make sure that your LinkedIn link is in the show notes so that folks can find you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed having you and thank you for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Watch for my book, September 20th. I'm very excited about that. We will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com.